God's word for us to consider this morning is that lesson from John chapter 4. You can keep that open if you'd like, either in your service folders uh, or you could, that's on page 6, or you could open up the Bible if you'd like, paper or digital, and follow along with us there. And let's get into God's word this morning. Gracious God, we thank you that you have gathered us safely together. We pray that you would keep us from sicknesses and diseases that are getting spread around and let us then uh, enjoy the blessings that you have given us so we can focus on the things that are most important in life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we get this phenomenal story of uh, this this woman, Jesus and and a woman. Jesus meets uh, a woman who is living with another man. And he meets her at the local watering hole, literally the watering hole, like not the bar, right, but like the literal watering hole. Um, And and he meets her there at at New Day. And the the reason the story is so phenomenal is the way it ends. The end of the story, the woman goes back to town. She goes back to town and she tells everybody in town, I met this guy who told me how terrible my life was. Come and check him out. Right now, here's the reason this is so incredible, so phenomenal. So this woman, the reason she goes to the well in the middle of the day is because she has been excluded from her community. So either she feels excluded or they've actually physically said, you know, we really don't want to spend time with you. We'd prefer if you, you went to the well on your own. So she's, she's been excluded. She does feel then a huge amount of shame. And, and the reason she feels shame is because she's divorced five times over. Uh, I try to check statistics, you know, even in America where we have a very prevalent divorce culture, uh, I don't think, I couldn't find any statistics on the people who are divorced five times. I, I don't know if that even exists. If you want to find that out, go ahead and Google it and send me a link. Uh, don't do it right now, though. Do that later. Uh, but, you know, even in America, right, we, I don't know if we have any uh, of people like that. You know, so she's, she has, she's, Divorced five times over. Um, and, and on top of that, she's one of those free religious thinkers. You know, she's, she's one of those people that sits in a group of people and, and, and asks the question that sort of stirs up the hornet's nest, stirs up the pot. And maybe you've noticed I'm kind of the same person, so I, I connect with her. Uh, I always somehow manage to make groups go, rah! But, uh, you know, she gets to the end of the story, and she asks, she, just, she says, I was thinking about whether or not I should practice the Samaritan religion or the Jewish religion. What do you think? And so she's, she's stirring up the, the nest here, the, the pot about religious practice. This woman, she experiences all of these bad things and still, right, she still comes into town. She tells all of the people, I met a guy who told me how messed up I was, how bad my life was, Come and check him out. When was the last time somebody came to you and said, my life's a mess, and I met somebody who told me my life's a mess, you've got to come and meet him? Nobody. Nobody. The, the people I say you should come and meet are the people who say to me, yeah, you're a really good person. You're just doing a great job at life. You're a good pastor. And I say, you know, you should come and meet my friend over here. Yes, come and meet my friend who says good things about me. Not the friend who says, you're a disaster. I, I, I do know a few rare people who, who do it, and maybe you've, you've met him too. There's one author I like to read. His name's Mark Clark. Uh, he grew up a, an atheist, 
He did drugs while he was a kid, like eight, nine years old. Um, he, he got uh, Tourette's, he stole, he, he got OCD. Uh, his dad was, he describes his dad as a, a deadbeat dad, and his dad died at 15 uh, without saying goodbye or anything to, to Mark. Uh, at 17, Mark believed in Jesus, and so he tells people, yeah, I'm a, I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, my life is a, I'm a really bad person, uh, and I, I, I believe in Jesus, you've got to check this guy out. It's, it's really actually very inspiring to me. Um, a person who can say, I'm a mess, and this guy, Jesus, told me all about it, and you've got to check him out. That's, that's the, the question for you and I this week. What gives you life? Last week, we, we heard what I would call the gospel for the insider. Uh, the gospel for the insider. It's the person who is, is fairly religious or they have got a good education, a good moral background. And to that person, Jesus says, the thing that keeps you from life is thinking that you don't need life. I've got a gift of life for you. Stop thinking you don't need life. But, but to the outsider, to the person who is searching and trying everything and drugs and sex and whatever else in life, looking for something that will fill them with life, right? give them that sense of vitality and, and lifeness, to that person, Jesus says, I've got a gift of life for you. Can I give you a life? And, and so the question for you and I today that Jesus wants to ask us is just, what gives you life? What gives you life? Um, Jesus starts out here, he says what we need for life. Uh, he's going to tell us what we need for life. That's the first thing, right? And so he says to this woman, if you had known who this was, you would have asked, right? You would have asked, and he would have given you living water. So in short, Jesus says to this woman, you know, I can give you living water. That's what he's saying. Now, this is a, this is a pretty big deal, right? Water and air are basic requirements for life. Uh, you can only live a few seconds without air. You can only live a few minutes without water. We live in a, in a world, in a life, where we've really never known um, what it is to not have water, uh, unless some of you live in Flint. Anybody live in Flint? No? Okay. Um, but, you know, we, we, all have, we all have water, don't we? And, uh, but, you know, there's still significant portions of the world. 10% of the world does not have access to basic water. I've got a college friend who went on to dig wells for people who don't have water. What a cool thing to do, huh? And, and something like 30% of the world, including all of Flint, Michigan, has to drink contaminated water, only has access to contaminated water. Uh, and so we're not in that category, right? Jesus is speaking here to a woman who's got easy access to water, and, and we would fit right in there with her. And he's saying to her, you need something to make you alive. This water won't keep you alive. It won't really give you life. Now, that's, that's kind of a, a big deal, isn't it? He's saying, I could give you living water. This water is not living. It will not make you alive. And you think, if Jesus is saying the most basic thing that you and I need for life, water, is not enough to make you alive, what are the odds that all of the other physical things we go after can give us life? Does money make you alive? Or maybe do you need living money? Might you need 
a living career. Maybe we need a living marriage. Maybe we need a, a living family. You see what I, I mean here? Jesus is saying the most basic thing that you have in life, water, is not enough to make you alive. Then isn't the same thing true about all of the other more complex physical things? Marriage, money, job, career, house, family. Can any of those things really give us life? I've had just as, as hard of a problem with this as, as anybody else. You know, you probably think I'm a, a heady ideas guy, but I really like practical stuff that I can get done and makes me feel like I accomplish things, you know, and I'm useful in life. I, I, I like to see progress. And, and so for me to say, none of these physical things make me happy, satisfy me, and give me life is spent really hard, just really hard. And, and, and a, a while back, a couple of years back, somebody asked me, you know, um, how are you doing on, on happiness? Are you, are you happy with your life and the way things are? And I said, well, I'm working on not finding my happiness in my physical circumstances. Can I, can I find joy and happiness no matter what? And he said, good for you. Right? That will help you no matter what the situation is. But then just a little while ago, somebody asked me, um, is that part of your life, life-giving? Is it giving you life? Is it filling you up with life? And I had to say, eh, you know, I still have as much of a problem as anybody else not tying my life and my happiness to all the physical stuff in life. And so there's a question for you and I from Jesus this morning. You know, is there something physical that you are looking to for life. It, it, marriage, kids, education, career, house. Is there something that you're looking to and you say, this thing is really filling me up with life. It's, it's the one thing more than anything else that's giving me life. What is it? Think about that. Maybe you're not going to answer it right now. Maybe it takes a little time to think about. But, but say you know, yes or no and, and say, if so, what is it? So that's the first thing Jesus is going to say to us, right? He says to us that the physical stuff of life can't give us life. And then the second thing he says, okay, so if the physical things can't give us life, where do we need life? Where does life really at? Where is it? Um, and, and the options are basically, is it inside us or outside us? And we're going to see what Jesus says. Jesus says, if I give you water, this living water, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus says another um, amazing thing here, here, doesn't he? You know, certain people just have a, a vitality to them, don't they? They have a, a lifeness in them. And I think about like a person like my grandma. I don't know how she does it, but she just, she has this vitality about her. It doesn't seem to matter what she goes through, uh, you know, knee surgeries, her husband's having serious heart issues. Um, she, she has to, she moves multiple times, even in her, her senior age. Is, uh, she's a, a, a witness. She's a big part of her church life, all these other things. She has this vivaciousness, you know, this vitality in her. And, and it, it's plain that it doesn't come from her thinking or her feeling. It comes from someplace else. 
Jesus is saying something remarkable in here. He says it's going to spring up in them. And, And you think in the ancient world, it was all about the mind. It was all about how you thought. Your mind controlled your your whole life. For us, it's all about how we feel, isn't it? People walk around and say, I feel like we should do this or that, and as if our feelings drive our life. And Jesus says, there's got to be something deeper than that. It can't be your feelings. It can't be your thoughts. There needs to be something else that's driving your life. You know, everybody's life has to flow out of things. As we've mentioned already, some people's life flows out of physical stuff. Their sense of identity comes from the fact that they have this possession and that possession and and that that thing. And that's just how they know who they are. You know, some people's sense of belonging comes from the the house that they have, so they know where they fit in life. And they say, I'm I'm this kind of person because I have this house. And, And some people's goals and passions drive them. That's how they filled up, they're filled up with life. They say, I want to have the the big cottage, or even the little cottage out on the lake, but that's what's driving my life, isn't it? It's the the one thing that makes me feel alive. And I think we all know that those physical things, they, they can't really drive our life, can they? Even though even some of the non-physical things can't drive our life. I've shared with you before the, the story of Bruce Becker. You guys know Bruce Becker, that great tennis star, right? He, he's, he, he was one of the best players ever. But he, even he said, you know what can't drive your life? Well, he's put it this way. He said, I've won the Wimbledon twice, once as the youngest player, I was rich, I had all the material possessions I needed, but my life was the song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they're so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I got to the top, and there was nothing there. Jesus isn't saying that you can't have an identity in life. He isn't saying you can't have a sense of belonging. He isn't saying you can't have goals and a purpose for your life. But he is saying if physical things or even even the drive to be the best, the drive to excel, if any of that becomes what gives you life, your life's going to always end at some point. And so he wants to ask us this other question, which is slightly different. He says, you know, what's driving you and filling you with life? Not just something physical, but maybe, maybe it's something that's more intangible. It's the drive to be the best. It's the the drive to have happiness. What is that? Is there something that's driving you and filling you with life? Maybe it's a good thing because everybody needs something inside to fill them up with life. Real life has to come up from within you. You can't expect anybody else outside of you to fill you up with life. And so there's, Jesus has this, there's a neat illustration that people tell to, to show where the real source of life uh, could come from. Imagine that you're a, a person who is taking a long trip through the desert. Anybody ever taken a long trip through the desert? But you're walking this time, and you carry bottles of water with you. Lots of water because you're trekking through the desert. And you ration your water well, but still you run out of water eventually. And so you're walking with your parched lips, and finally you see a well. 
and your heart says, ah, oh, a well, life, life at this well. And you, but you get to the well, and you, you crank up the, the bucket, and it just clangs around. There's nothing there. It's, it's a dry well, it seems. Uh, but you pull out the bucket, and on, on the bucket, it's carved. It says this. It says, dear traveler, don't give up. Don't despair. Uh, put the bucket back down to the bottom of the well. When the bucket hits the bottom of the well, use the pump, and in front of the pump, dig in the sand, and there will be a bottle of water there. You need to trust that you can prime the pump with one little bottle of water. And then I promise you that the well will fill with water and you'll be able to pump the bucket up and have water to drink. And so you do that. You, 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 pour, you pour the water from the little bucket, from the little, uh, the little bottle of water into the pump and you pump that pump and the bucket fills up with water and you drink as much as you want. And the warning, he says, is the one thing you have to watch out for, right, is, is don't trust that you can drink that bottle of water and you'll make it across the desert. Because not only will you run out of life, but everybody else who, who runs across your path will run out of life. And we can say, when Jesus comes along and he says, here's living water for you. Here's living water for you. You can be sure that your sins are forgiven. You have that free water of forgiveness and the free water of life that leads to a life that lasts forever. It will never run out. And the more you can take his life and trust that his life, pumping that pump and taking the life from him, and you stop pouring out your own life and hoping that you have life, the more you will be filled with life. And the only question you have to ask is, who filled the water bottle first? Where did that water bottle come from? You think if you're a traveler wandering across the, the desert, you think, who was the first guy who thought, I should really fill that water bottle up? And the answer, of course, is that's the water of Jesus. The eternal Son of God was the one who, who gave up his glory and he poured out his own life to leave his life behind for you and for me. This isn't the first time in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I thirst, or maybe better I should say, it's not the last time in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I thirst. In, in, in some chapters, he's going to get to the very end of his life. He'll hang on the cross and he'll say, I thirst. I, I am experiencing extreme pain and torture. I'm dying a horrendous, torturous death because I have been abandoned and, and cut off from the life of my Father. I'm experiencing the dryness and the parched air that comes when you don't have the life of God in, in you. I'm going through the pain and the, the excruciating punishment that comes because the wrath of God is poured out on, on you and on me. I'm taking all of that, and I will pour out my life into this little water bottle so that you can trust me, trust my word, trust God's people, 
to find the water that gives life at the bottom of the well. Friends, live for what gives life. Live for what gives life. Don't live, well, everybody has to live for something. You've got to live for something. Something has to drive you. Something has to push you along. Maybe it's, maybe it's that house. Maybe it's that boat. Maybe it's that car. I'm not sure if that's going to really turn out well for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's the drive to be the best. Maybe it's the, the, the need to have something else. But what if it was the life that never ends? What if it's the, the sense of belonging, the sense of identity that you can give when Jesus says to you, I have a life for you that will never end. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would show us, fill us with the life that never ends. Very often we, we chase after other kinds of life for, for possessions, for even a, a sense of, of belonging or identity or worth or value in this life that comes from us. And so we never experience the life that comes from you. But you're a, you're a well that never runs out, that never runs dry. There is an infinite depth to your life. We pray that we would, would drink deeply of it and discover the true life that will sustain us through everything we experience here and all the way into eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.